السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين My beloved brothers and sisters in Cape Town and across the globe Indeed, it is a blessing of Allah to be studying anything connected to Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prior to his birth, during the time that he was with us, and later on to this particular day, anything to do with Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, be it the movement of his lips, or the way he placed his toes, or the way he spoke, the way he moved, the way he walked, how he treated people, no matter what, all of that is an act of worship to study. One of the biggest gifts that Allah has bestowed upon us is that we are from the Ummah of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We bleed when the people of Palestine are bleeding. We will not stop rendering assistance to them until the day they are liberated. And we ask Allah to grant them that liberation and victory. And we ask Allah Almighty to protect them every single day. As an ummah, you and I know we have failed them. May Allah forgive us for this. Nonetheless, we belong to the same ummah, the ummah of the Qur'an. The connection between you and I is that of La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So shaitan's job is to make you feel after the shahada that we are not connected. That's shaitan's job. And Allah tells us that the bond of La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is thicker than that of blood. What does shaitan do? He makes us want to fight each other after we've said the shahada, calling each other names, removing each other from the fold of Islam. I usually say, the minute someone has declared the shahada, they have entered a door. That door qualifies them to be a part of this deen. We may have differences. All the differences will be within that door. Don't just kick people out, subhanallah. In the past, I remember in this masjid saying that at times we doom others to the degree that we think nobody's going to be in Jannah. You'll be surprised when you get to Jannah. Hey, how did this guy make it here? Subhanallah. That's if you made it there in the first place. Similarly, the way some operate, for them, Jannah is just for them and their little clique. If it was up to people, Jannah would be empty. Just as well, Allah kept himself as the owner of heaven and hell. He will fill it with all of us by his will. May Allah grant us Jannah through his mercy. My brothers and sisters, in Mecca, the kuffar were not interested in Islam initially. In Mecca, they did not want to listen to revelation. In Mecca, they were not even interested to the degree that anyone who showed interest was persecuted by merely showing an interest. 
وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَا تَسْمَعُوا لِهَذَا الْقُرْآنِ وَالْغَوْ فِيهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَغْلِبُونَ Allah describes the condition that the kuffar used to say, don't listen to this Qur'an and whenever it is being recited, make noise so that no one else hears it, so that you can be overpowering, you can overcome, you can be victorious and so on. Because the minute someone hears it, they are going to be impacted by it. So Allah says to the believers, وَإِذَا قُرِئَ الْقُرْآنُ فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ وَأَنصِتُوا لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ Look at the advice to the believers, the instruction to the believers where Allah is saying when the Quran is being recited, listen attentively and be silent, be quiet in order for you to achieve mercy. You want the mercy of Allah. When the Quran is recited, pin drop silence. Listen attentively, it will change your life. Whether you understand it or not, it has an impact. But if you were to make an effort to understand it, it will have an even greater impact. Our Qari, moments ago, read beautiful verses. Beautiful verses. And do you know what? These verses, even those who did not understand them, were impacted by them. Imagine those who understood the verses. What type of impact? I was hoping he went on and on. But inshallah, we'll have that opportunity on another occasion. My brothers and sisters, Allah's divine plan was such that in Mecca, he revealed a unique type of verses. Mostly if you find the shortest surahs of the Quran were revealed in Mecca. 86 surahs were revealed in Mecca according to the most correct opinion. The other 28 were revealed in Medina. What is the difference? The verses or the surahs revealed in Medina were long, very long. Surah Al-Baqarah and so on, Surah Al-Nisa. These are Madaniya. Here in Cape Town, it's the city of the Quran from among the cities of South Africa. We know that hands down. And by the way, we're in Lansdowne. So you know it's the city of the Quran from among the cities of South Africa. You would know that Makkiya and Madaniya is something you and I are taught from a young age. You come across a surah when you're memorizing it, they tell you Surat Al-Baqarah, Madaniya. And it has so many verses and so on and so forth. And then you start off Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alif Lam Notice the Sitta Harakat. In Cape Town, they know what Sitta Harakat means, right? Some other places they don't have a clue. But the sad part is some of you are looking at me like you don't have a clue. <laughs> May Allah Almighty grant us goodness. So. These are unique verses revealed in Medina Munawwara, long surahs. What was the reason to do that? There are so many reasons. It's part of the study of the seerah because the Muslims were persecuted. There was a time when they said, don't listen to the Quran. So Allah says, you know what? I have revealed short verses. They will have no option but to listen to them. By the time you make a noise, the verse is over. It gives you an opportunity to concentrate on the meaning of the verse. And Allah came up with something divine, unique, the most powerful word in existence is the word of none other than Allah, Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal. 
Ya ayyuhal muzzammil. Where was that verse revealed? You can close your eyes and say Makkah. It's a very short verse. Do you get the point? Very short verse, Makkah. The verses and the surahs of Medina, although they are only 28 according to the most correct opinion, but they take up so much more in terms of the pages of the Quran that it's more than double that of the 86 surahs that were revealed in Makkatul Mukarramah. Most of the surahs in, in the last Jews of the Quran were revealed in Makkah. So from now on, if someone were to ask you, was this surah revealed in Makkah or Medina? I can give you a tip. If you follow the tip, mostly you will be correct. You have a surah with short verses and a short surah, Usually it was revealed where? In Makkah. And you have a long surah. Someone says surah Baqarah. Where was it revealed? You got to say Medina. Because in Medina they were already Muslim. Prepared to listen to the long messages. In Makkah they were not prepared to listen to long messages. Short verses. All that is revealed where? Makkah. How do you know? Short verses, all rhyming on a topic. What were the subjects addressed in Makkah? What was needed? What were they doing? They were burying their daughters alive. So if Allah says, Where was that revealed? Makkah. Allah is asking about how they, how, when the little one will be asked, why were you buried alive? Where was that happening in Makkah? Short verse. They start thinking, why did I bury my daughter? Look, Allah is saying that the daughter is going to be questioned. Why were you buried? What crime did you commit so that they killed you? And when the suhuf, when the books are laid open, subhanallah, what books are they talking about? In Makkah, they never believed in the hereafter. So most of the verses where mention is made in a short verse about something to do with the hereafter, part of the seerah was that these were revealed in Makkah. The people didn't believe in the hereafter. You go to Medina, they were already, mashallah, ready to embrace Islam. Many of them embraced it even prior to the Prophet sallallahu himself doing the hijrah. You and I know he sent Mus'ab ibn Umayr radiallahu anhu earlier and they went to Medina Munawwara and so many of those were ready to welcome people they did not know the connection between them and those was only la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that was the connection so with that connection they opened their homes they welcomed these people it was amazing and unique these are the verses that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has indeed favored us by revealing different verses in different places with different topics dealing with different subjects based on what was going on and it's part of our duty as a muslim slowly but surely to learn some of this some of you might not have heard this before and some of you may have when i spoke in Cape Town, I was here for Ramadans, the whole month of Ramadan, four times, if I'm not mistaken, maybe a fifth one, I don't know. If not, we'll come back, inshallah. And we've addressed these matters. And I even read the verses and showed the crowds to say, do you know what? These verses were revealed in Makkah, these revealed in Medina. We studied them and we know them and we understand. So the topics discussed in Makkah were more to do with belief, faith, they were worshipping sticks and stones and everything else. And Allah says, you're worshipping this? How? Will it benefit you? Will it help you? And so on. 
Later on in Medina Munawwara, you have the stories of the prophets, mashallah. The stories of the prophets. When you read the stories of the prophets, in most cases, those verses were revealed in Medina. Medina. Subhanallah. In most cases, those verses were revealed in Medina. So when you hear the stories of the prophets of Allah in detail, you know that this was revealed in Medina Munawwara. In most cases. Because the topics that were dealt with in Makkah were to do with the persecution as well of the believers. And Allah Almighty says to them, to the believers, to hold on. They were young and weak in terms of number. But in terms of faith, wallahi, they were strong. Notice the issue of hypocrisy was never dealt with in Makkah. So when you hear verses regarding the munafiqeen, Mostly you can close your eyes and say these verses were revealed in Medina. How do I know? I didn't know no one needed to tell me the details because there were no hypocrites in Makkah. Subhanallah. How come there were no hypocrites in Makkah? Because it was very hard to be a Muslim. If you wanted to be a Muslim, you, were you prepared to almost be killed if not killed? Persecuted like the family of Yasir. Persecuted like Bilal ibn Rabah radiyallahu anhum jami'an. May Allah's peace and blessings be upon them. A hypocrite's not prepared to go through that. You see the point? So in Makkah, when it's very hard to be a Muslim, and they said, I bear witness there is none worthy of worship besides Allah, and they were ready to be persecuted, there would, not, there would not be hypocrisy there. The issue of hypocrisy came about in Medina when the numbers were large. People wanted to just be Muslim because they said, you know what, if we're not, we're going to lose out. They're going to treat us like this and like that. They started lying that they're Muslim and they're not. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah, which was revealed in Medina Munawwara, addresses the matter of the munafiqeen right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. Similarly, in Makkah Al-Mukarramah, as the verses were read and matters were being discussed, the condition of the people was being laid bare. Allah asking them questions, teaching them aqidah, aqidah, belief, who is Allah, your Lord who made you. How can you be against your own Lord who made you and worship things that you are making with your own hands? Worship your Lord alone. Think of the day you're going to go back. Al-Hisab is a topic that was discussed in the Makki verses. Hisab meaning accountability. You cannot just do what you want. That was discussed in Makkah. Be warned of a day that is going to come where you're going to face your Lord and answer for all your actions. Where was that revealed? In Makkah. When the Prophet ﷺ gathered his qawm, his people on Mount Safa and asked them if there was an army behind here, if I told you there was an army behind here ready to attack you, would you believe me? They said, yes, you haven't lied. He was known as a Sadiqul Amin. He says, well, I'm warning you regarding a punishment that is about to befall you if you don't turn in your ways and habits to that which is correct. Worship Allah alone. They got upset. They didn't want to change their lives. So those were beautiful verses. There was reason for those verses to be revealed. Later on in Medina Munawwara, you and I know that when the Prophet ﷺ went up for Mi'raj physically, he was given the gift of Salah. Came down and Salah became compulsory after that. Before that there was prayer, slightly different and it was not compulsory, voluntary. Later on it became compulsory in stages. 
Initially, Aisha radiallahu anha says, awwalu ma unzilati salatu mathna mathna. When salah first was made compulsory, it was made compulsory two units, two units, two units. Then, it remained that way on a journey, when a person is on a journey, but it was increased in units for those who are not on a journey. Therefore, Dhuhr, you have four. Asr, you have four. I'm talking of the Farad. Maghrib, you have three. Isha, you have four. When it started off, it was two, two. So this gradual revealing of the instructions to us is something worth studying. What happened in Medina Munawwara? When alcohol was made haram, it was made haram in stages because the people were dealing in it, trading in it, drinking it, addicted to it, whatever it might have been. When Allah Almighty revealed the prohibition of it, He revealed it in a few stages. Initially, He said, look, they are asking you about alcohol, about gambling and so on. There's some good and some bad, but the bad outweighs the good. So the intelligent from the companions knew that means it's a bad thing. Today, I have young people say, well, you know, I'm in it because of the good of it only. Come on, come on. Where did you get that from? You can't say that. Verses are abrogated. What's the meaning of abrogation? We need to learn. We need to learn. Because if we don't learn, we may never know. You might pick up the Quran and read a verse and say, Oh, there's good and bad. Shucks, I didn't know that, man. What do you mean good and bad? That was a verse that was revealed in one of the stages. Where Allah says, the bad outweighs the good. Why did he reveal that? In order to prepare people for the next stage where he said, Oh, you who believe, do not come close to prayer in the condition of intoxication. Ya amanu la salata wa antum sukara hatta ma taqulun. Oh, you who believe. Do not come close to prayer in the condition of intoxication until you know what you are uttering, what you are saying. You come, you come too close to pray, you can see 50 people in the masjid when there's only five. Come on. It can't be. I wonder how it is. I've never been intoxicated. Imagine taraweeh. Guys are making the first two units. He says, I think we're done. <laughs> Lazy buggers. May Allah Almighty grant us ease. Nonetheless, it is worth learning. Similarly, the next stage, Allah Almighty says, O you who believe, and there are beautiful verses at the end of this verse. Allah says, It is the handiwork of the devil. Are you going to quit it? Give it up? And just prior to that, he says, It means stay away from it. For Allah to, to say stay away from something, it means it is prohibited. When it comes to adultery, which was always prohibited anyway, Allah says, La zina. Don't come close to adultery. You have some wise cracks today saying, Well, Allah didn't say it's haram. I want a verse where it's clearly saying this is haram. Allah, if you had to study revelation, you would know that He uses the term don't go close to something that is totally prohibited. You're not even supposed to come near it, let alone do it. That's the meaning of it. The hadith confirms it. Everyone confirms it. Other faiths also have the abomination of adultery and fornication. Not just Islam. It's something against fitrah. May Allah Almighty protect us all. 
You want to fulfill your sexual desires, you shall do so in a regularized way. If there is no way of regularizing what you have in terms of your lust and your desires, you shall remain with patience until the day you meet with Allah and He will reward you no matter what it was for the patience you endured because you did not participate in something displeasing to Him even though your heart wanted it. That's a very deep statement. It cuts across the entire spectrum of desires and lusts. May Allah protect all of us. That's the seerah. That's the sunnah. It was revealed in a unique way. Subhanallah. The Quran, every discipline of it is an ibadah. And when the Prophet ﷺ was receiving revelation, did you know that he received it? The Makkah surahs and verses first. Then there was the Hijrah. Anything that happened after Hijrah is known as the Madani surahs or verses. And every Ramadan, Jibreel alayhi salam used to come to him, consolidating whatever was already revealed, giving it the proper order of the Mus'haf, the Quran, the Lawhim Mahfud, that which is in the preserved tablet, starting from Surah Al-Fatiha, and ultimately it ended at Surah Al-Nas. The final year, they revised the entire Quran twice, Jibreel alayhi salam with the Prophet ﷺ. So the order of the Qur'an is sacred. It starts at Surah Al-Fatiha, then Surah Al-Baqarah, then Surah Ala Imran, then Surah Al-Nisa. I could rattle all of them for you until the 114th one that says Surah Al-Nas. No Muslim has debated that or argued it from the beginning to this day. It hasn't happened. Similarly, 114 surahs. That's it. No one argued that there is more or less. It hasn't happened. No credible argument, not at all. So for us to learn this and to know it, and you see when you want to read the Quran, you have to recite it from the beginning to the end. When you want to read your salah, the imam is always told in the first rak'ah, make sure you read something such that the second one will be after it in order. In which order? In the order of al-lawhil mahfud, the order of the preserved tablet, the order of the mushaf, the order of the Quran. It's sacred. We know it. I'm a hafiz since I was a little boy. I'm sure many of us are. Cape Town, like I said, it's Madinatul Quran in South Africa. Many Hufad, beautiful recital. I felt I was in Cairo a few minutes ago listening to our Qari re recite. Many of us have what is known as Ijaza or Isnad, where we have a chain of narrators between us and the Prophet ﷺ such that whatever we've read of the Quran, we can guarantee you this was what was revealed. I have an, an Ijaza that is quite high, quite high meaning the number of people is one less than a lot of others. May Allah protect us. We don't blow our trumpet, but sometimes you have to let people know, listen, you know what? We also have ijazah. May Allah grant us ease. People think we're fools at times, talking. They think, what's this man talking about? We will teach you, inshallah. And we'll teach you with a chain, all the way going back to the Prophet ﷺ, by his will. The will of Allah. So my brothers and sisters, that's the Nabi of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I follow him, you follow him. He faced persecution. Any verses of jihad, where were they revealed? Medina. How do I know? Because in Medina, when the Muslims increased in number and they had greater power, then Allah allowed them to fight back jihad. People say, 
these verses of jihad, are they valid or not valid? Validity will always remain up to qiyamah. But the method of application is not left to the layman. There are rules and regulations, verses in the Quran. It is our duty to learn. But you need someone to teach you. You cannot just apply. You need to know where the verse was revealed, why it was revealed, how it was revealed, when it was revealed, what are the meanings of the words, what are the rulings derived therefrom, and what exactly the entire verse means. And on top of that, is there any other way of reciting that verse? Because the qira'at are also part of the teachings of the Prophet What are qira'at? You will hear qari recite. Cape Town, probably you all know, almost all, if not all. I gave an example yesterday in my speech about when I was little, the first time I heard a little boy, small boy, I think about four or five years old, the masjid, because I was born in the compound of a masjid just across where we were living, the masjid, a reciter came and started reciting. He says, I thought to myself, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. To make matters worse, he says, I looked at my friends, I said, this guy is maybe an Indian or some, we don't know where he's reading from and what's going on and so on, you know. He probably has one of those accents. Later on, I told my father, what type of a person was reading? He doesn't even know what duha. He was saying, hey, hey, and there. My father had to explain to me, listen, son, what do you know? That is a proper mutawatir recital, correct according to the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. What? Are you serious? Obviously, I'm learning. And then I found out it's not just two, there's more. There's different ways of doing things. I said, what's going on? This guy is reading, a, he, the way he's pronouncing the sad. I said, that's a pronunciation. You got to learn. You got to understand and appreciate. It is an ibadah to learn it. It is an ibadah to know it. The Prophet says, man The best from amongst you are those who learn the Quran and teach it. It's not just about reciting. No. It's about reciting, yes. Improving your recitation, yes. The pronunciation, yes. The intonation, which means the tune, yes. On top of that, the different recitations and qiraat. Yes, on top of that, the meanings, the different meanings. What can this mean? What does it mean? Because the English language translations, not a single one of them is perfect. They will never be perfect. They will always have blunders in them. Because the English language is not the language chosen by Allah to reveal the Quran, which is his kalam, his word. So no English translation on earth can claim perfection. Perfection is solely and only for the word of Allah, the Arabic. Untouched and will never be touched until Qiyamah. So in the English language, you might have to understand, look into it and see. This translator says that, this one says that. What is exactly the meaning? You are going to have to go and study deeper if you want to know. It might not be fardu'ain for everyone to know every detail. It's not compulsory on every single person to know every ruling. But you need to know the bare minimum. I mean, every one of us seated in this masjid. Do you know Surah Al-Fatiha? Please, if you do know Surah Al-Fatiha off by heart, which is a chapter of the Quran, the first one in terms of the order of the Mus'haf, please put up your hand. You know Surah Al-Fatiha? Put up your hand. There we are. MashaAllah. No one has their hands down. You bear witness. Only the young boy at the back put up both hands. Surah Al-Fatiha, by the way, was revealed more than once. I don't know if you're aware of it. 
See, I just touched something. You can go and learn. But my brothers, my sisters, let me explain to you. We have all contributed towards protecting the Quran by the fadl and virtue of Allah and the favor because we've all learned something in the Arabic language, whether we've understood the language or not, in order for us to be part of those whom Allah has chosen to preserve the Quran. If someone reads Surah Al-Fatiha and they make a blunder in it, I promise you the little boy sitting at the back will be able to correct that because he knows, hey, hey, hey this is something, it's wrong. Does he speak Arabic? No, he doesn't. How does he know Surah al It's a miracle of the Quran. We have made this Quran easy to memorize, to understand. Is anyone going to make an effort to memorize it, to understand it? Here we are. So my brothers and sisters, remember, anything to do with the Quran and its studies is part of what we have been asked to participate in and we have been promised a reward if we do participate in. Learn the Quran and teach it, it makes you the best person. If you can rattle out the surahs in the order of the Mus'haf, mashallah, we will congratulate you. Just like how the youngsters come in and recite the 100 names of Allah, you should be able to recite 114, the surahs by name, one to the end. You love the Quran. You're part of the Ummah of the Quran. Do you respect the revelation that came via Nabi Muhammad wasallam to us? The most important message in existence, the most powerful word is the word of Allah. Well, we can make an effort. It's not compulsory to know it, but it's a bonus. It makes you a person who's connected with Allah. If you know which surah was revealed first, if I were to ask you today in this masjid, and I want the answer, what was the first word of revelation? Iqra. Almost the whole masjid says Iqra. How do you know that? Someone somewhere told you the first. Is it the first surah of the Quran? No. But it's the first word that was revealed. Does it make you a deviant to know that? If I told you, what's the second surah to be revealed? You might not even know. What about the third, fourth, and would you not like to know? Well, if I told you, does it make me a deviant? If I told you, let's study that. Does it make me a deviant? No, it doesn't. We are only engaging in a study to learn exactly what I said today. Why were the verses revealed? Where were they revealed? How were they revealed? What were the topics discussed? Why were those topics discussed? How did Allah address the issue of people who don't want to listen to the word of Allah? By revealing short verses, I told you so many subjects today that are discussed in Medina only and topics that were discussed in Mecca. We learned it. It is an important part of the seerah to know this. Do you not want to know that what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam went through? Do you know the battle of Badr is mentioned in detail? In, if you hear about the battles in any verse, you must know those verses were revealed in Medina. It's an ibadah to be a master, to be able to rattle out the surahs in the order they were revealed as well. Not to say that that's what we're going to do in salah. Not to say we're going to worship Allah by changing the order of the Quran, na'udhu billah. But we are definitely going to study what order there was when the Quran was revealed for us to know the topics. It's merely a study. Nobody would ever have the right dare come up with a new Quran, na'udhu billah, or claim, oh new Quran, someone's come up, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. If you don't know, you'd rather remain silent. We are not fools. Like I said, we have ijazah in Quran. Perhaps one higher than a lot of people. But we don't talk about it. 
We need to understand. May Allah Almighty grant us ease. If I were to ask you today, how many surahs were revealed in Makkah? MashaAllah, I think everyone now knows 86. Did you know that before today? Maybe you did, if you're on Twitter. And perhaps, if I were to tell you how many were revealed in Medina, you will say 28, according to the most correct opinion. That's because we learned it. And it would be very beautiful for you to know and to teach others. It is part of the learning, just like you have qira'at, just like you have everything else, just like you have small volumes where all the rabbanas are written. Have you ever seen those? You have a hizb where certain surahs are written. It doesn't mean they don't believe in the rest of the Quran. This is only volume one. Or perhaps this is only a book that gathers a specific topic of learning, the duas of the Quran. Doesn't mean they don't believe in the rest of the Quran. The ahkam of the Quran. It's your duty to learn it. It's part of your love of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu to know the du'as that were mentioned. Why not? To know whatever it was. I've come across a book that mentions ayatul jihad fil Quran. The ayat that, con that talk about jihad in the Quran. Like I said, verses are always valid, but to draw lessons and to be able to apply is not everybody's job. When we were taught what is in the Quran, we were taught three things are in the Quran. Number one, rules and regulations connected to our lives. There are a certain number of verses. Those are gathered also in a book. They say, Ayatul Ahkam fil Quran. It's there. The verse it doesn't mean they don't believe in the rest of it. They're only teaching you one subject. That's it. Secondly, there are verses. Number one, like I said, the rules and regulations between us. Whatever happens between us, Allah has judged already and given decision and so on. Number two, Allah has prophecies of that which is to come after us. Qiyamah and so on, what's going to happen and so on. All of that is mentioned in the Quran. And number three, Allah has mentioned stories of those of the past. One day I explained this in another masjid in the same city. Later on people said, oh, this sheikh said that the Quran is just a storybook. Why don't you listen? We said there are three types of verses in the Quran. They are Stories of the previous nations, we draw lesson from obviously. There are prophecies regarding the future and we have to take heed. And there are rules and regulations connected to our living and we shall apply. So all of this is part of the Quran. It's not just one thing. My brothers and sisters, the ummah is bleeding. The only way we're actually going to succeed is by us turning back to the Quran and the sunnah of the Prophet And this is why it is an honor to stand here and discuss the Quran and the Sunnah. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam was the greatest man ever to exist. There shall be no one greater to come, and there was no one before him who was greater. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. We are members of the Ummah. The enemy would love to see us fragmented. It's your duty and mine to do the opposite. Learn to love one another, fi sabilillah. Learn to care for people who say the shahada. You may have a few differences. Many a time, it is something that is resolvable. Sometimes it's a misunderstanding. Sometimes it's actually something that was, you didn't even realize was wrong on your part. So much of hate in the ummah. So much of readiness to bash one another. So much of readiness to sway one another. So much of readiness to discourage people from goodness. Don't allow that. We love you. And we should be loving each other. I, for one, I bear witness. I bear witness that anyone who says the shahada has a place in my heart. May Allah make it easy for us. Even a few people who I really have had 
some form of dispute with, but they have a place in my heart, they are mu'mineen at the end of the day. I will not easily take someone out of the deen. No way, no. If I have a difference, I won't just say, no, this guy's not a Muslim. No, we won't say that. We won't say that. We'll try our best to bring people in rather than to take people out. May Allah Almighty forgive all of us and grant us ease. 35 minutes was my time. I spoke for 36 minutes. Nonetheless, the one minute we were just asking a question. See how I found a good excuse. But I love you all for the sake of Allah. Inshallah, I hope to be back a bit later. Aqulu qawli hadha wa sallallahu wa sallam ala nabina Muhammad. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.